0: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow Better business Building Better Businesses listeners, and welcome to another edition of our program. Uh, my name is Steve Eschbach. I am your host. I am also the owner of Trans World Business Advisors of Naperville. I am one of six Chicagoland Trans World offices. There are about 250 of us worldwide. Transworld Business Advisors is the largest business brokerage and the fastest growing business brokerage in the world. Uh, We primarily cater to small business owners. We assist them confidentially sell their businesses and match them with qualified buyers. We also do franchise sales and franchise development. And as you can gather later on in our program, you'll understand that there is a legal aspect to all that I do. And Jonathan Sparks, our guest today, will tell us a little bit about that shortly. But first of all, Jonathan, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And uh, tell me about your firm, which you currently run. It's a, uh, an independent legal firm after a stop with the yeah, United yeah. States right. and a corporate role. So go ahead. Tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me so much. I mean, this is great. Uh, love your podcast. Um, happy to be a guest on the show. Um, we do all things business law, and uh, we like to kind of you know kick back and let our hair down, and you know not take ourselves too seriously, uh, but still get the get the jobs done and the results that our clients are looking for. We like to say that we offer creative legal ideas that spark the entrepreneurial fire. So we're uh, we're very creative entrepreneurs ourselves and uh that's kind of what we do so yeah thanks for having me
0: yeah nice way to tie in your name to your philosophy that's pretty uh, interesting um before we start getting a little bit more into your firm now let's go down memory lane a little bit let's uh, rewind the videotape to your childhood where were you born and raised what kind of influence did you have from the family mom and dad etc as you were growing up to get you to where you are today
1: yeah that's interesting uh Sounds like a a therapy appointment, you know. I I think it's important to talk about your parents and your upbringing, especially with regards to entrepreneurship, because it affects your your mindset so much. And I think your mindset is a a powerful tool or a a powerful liability, depending on uh, where it's at uh, for your business. And entrepreneurship is, you know, really the best way for personal growth because you know, it's just you in the floor, right? <laughs> you're, you're either successful or or you're not. No one's going to baby you, you know, and say, oh, no, we're going to give you a participation award, you know, like <laughs> you, just, you just can't do it. So, no, I grew up in a world of entrepreneurship. My uh, father's uh, an ER doctor, um, you know, at first, and then on the side, believe it or not, he maintained those crazy hours and, you know, literally, up all night he would be writing uh medical books training books for uh for other doctors to take their boards and he just found a niche uh back in you know late 80s where nobody had the, any study guides and you know just started that company and they've uh they've grown to i think over 80 employees now and they're they're using their materials at stanford a bunch of cool places like that so Certainly, we uh, were successful. But when we first started, you know, the whole family got in on the deal and we were licking stamps, you know, for uh, the grassroots mail outs. <laughs> so we didn't want to hire a, you know, a marketing company. We just wanted to. I remember it specifically, he hand signed every letter to uh, wow. medical students. And, he, you know, it was something like a thousand, you know, letters he needed to sign per day. And, and uh, you know, the poor guy got terrible cramps and carpal tunnel. So then we (laughs) invested one of the first company assets was a stamp (laughs) for his signature, which was a God-given asset.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Technology has changed even on the postal stamp side. You don't lick them anymore. They're now uh, peel and stick, if you will. Another funny thing about your experience, I remember my father was a salesman and every Christmas he would send Macintosh apples to his clients. But he had our kids, he had his kids, me, my brother and two sisters do the autographing for him. And we had to practice writing like he did to autograph all of those Christmas cards. That was kind of an interesting thing. And your father did the same things so good for him. So there was an entrepreneurial spirit from the get go for you. But however, were you always thinking about a legal career or was it just entrepreneurial in general?
1: I wasn't always thinking of a legal career. I started out actually in, uh, you know, doing whatever I could to make money in the music industry, ah. uh, believe it or not. And um, I found that I had a real knack for negotiating record deal contracts for some of my buddies. Oh, wow. uh, so they this was right in the early 2000s, late 90s, when sort of the the whole industry was caving and tanking. And, you know, we still had these leftover Egregious contract terms and things, but the money was quickly drying up. So it made for a really interesting industry to be in. And I was just kind of, you know, on the up and up on the latest for everything that was changing. And uh, I could negotiate my way through a lot of the deals. So people started saying, you really need to go to law school because you're good at this, you know. But yeah, then I went to law school and Found out that I was very entrepreneurial and wasn't very interested in uh, certain, you know, law school classes like torts and stuff. But I was very interested in everything to do with business and business law and stocks and securities and you know, partner disputes and things like that. So that's where I gravitated towards.
0: <laughs> now, uh, given what you just said. You had a couple of stocks that were non-entrepreneurial. You mentioned that you were an intern at the Department of Justice where you worked there for a short while, and it looks like you also were employed by a legal firm. So there was a maybe a sidestep, if you will, of uh, non-entrepreneurial to get your start. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think everything is sort of entrepreneurial. You know, even if you're working a nine to five, you're you're still a salesperson, you're still an entrepreneur, you know, you're hustling and marketing yourself, you know, and and just uh, working on your personal image. It just might be that that brand is just for one boss as opposed to, you know, a couple thousand clients. No, I get Um, it. Yeah. But I, I did start out um, at the Department of Justice. I had an idea to get into politics in the early 2000s, but I kind of got a glimpse into that world and, and was pretty sick to my stomach. Uh, <laughs> Back and, then, huh? Yeah, no, I, I, it was already getting pretty bad. So they were, there was a, a bill. I, I don't want to get into the details of it, but basically it was just pooping on the Fourth Amendment and I brought this up to my superiors, uh, congressmen and said, hey, you know, this is there's no way that the Supreme Court's going to uphold this law uh, because, it, you know, it, it totally violates the Fourth Amendment. And, you know, that's that's what Jefferson put into place. It was a very important amendment. But they said, no, we just want to get it in there for the constituents. We just have to worry about getting votes, you know, and who cares? <laughs> I said, well, I care. I care. So I, oh, that, I left That's
0: politics. Yeah. So I get that. So how long were you at the DOJ? Not very long, I would imagine.
1: I think it was six months. It might have been nine. It, it wasn't that long. We have really interesting cases, actually, against other entrepreneurs. Um, it was a, a takings case. It was the biggest one that I was on. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. That'd be a good half hour Funny podcast, but not so business related.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have you on to talk about that because there's many aspects to business and uh, law and whatnot that are quite interesting. So there you went and joined a firm in Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about that. So you were actually, like you said, even though you were, I guess you were an employee of the law uh, firm, you were entrepreneurial in and of yourself. So. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that experience.
1: You know, I worked at King and Spaulding. It's a very major firm in the Atlanta area. I think there's uh, something like 1,500 or 2,000 attorneys worldwide. So very big. You know, we had the skyscraper, you know, office that was super nice and had an amazing view. And, you know, I just uh, I wanted to move up the ladder like uh, they told us in the 50s that you should do. But then I quickly realized that they were on more of a seniority-based system than a merits-based system. So my entrepreneurial efforts to do an amazing job for them were not going to be really noticed. And my superior kind of pulled me aside one day and he said, hey, Jonathan, I know you're like really working hard here, but um, that guy has been here, you know, 12 years and he went to Harvard <laughs> yeah. So and he, he gets paid like, I think it was... Like ten thousand more per year than I did at the time, and I was like, (laughs) "Yep, this might not be the best business plan." So, um, you know, I ended up opening up my own law firm, and uh, you know, we grew rather quickly. So, it was a good decision, I think.
0: Good for you, good for you. So, your background talks a little bit about how to do business aspect law, if you will, for Georgia businesses. So, what are the common types of projects that you're getting involved with with your local business owners?
1: Uh, We do a lot of mergers and acquisition deals, like the ones that you work with, but there's also, you know, partnership agreements. There's a lot of uh, independent contractor and employment agreements. In Georgia, there's a lot of um, non-compete law issues, you know, on both sides of the table, we do uh, customer contracts for tech companies. It's a big deal now to get the right, you know, privacy policy written up and and terms and conditions like the the click through agreement. We also work with trademarks and patents right now, which is very exciting. You know, help people protect their brands and their IP, and really anything that goes wrong or with a business or anything that they're looking to accomplish, there's sort of a, a legal piece of it that we enjoy coming in on. so
0: Right. So how do you market your clients? What type of client is best for you and how do you get them or are they coming to you? How does that work?
1: Uh, I think most of what our marketing strategy has, that's worked has just been, you know, good word of mouth. So we we just try to do an, uh, an epic job. We try to do it, you know, under promise and way over deliver. We have a I treat it like a company first and a law firm second. So we have a, a real good assembly line. We have a production department, you know, filled with lawyers and paralegals. We have a lot of administrative support. And we're not billing by the minute typically. So we'll we'll give people, you know, a, a no-pressure flat fee with a, a strict deadline that we put on ourselves. You know, this will be completed within three business days of your payment. And that just makes it really easy for people. It's almost like they're ordering a legal product from Amazon. You know, okay. so they know what they're going to get and and they can trust in that.
0: So uh, I, I crack a smile. My first experience with a lawyer will, was during an, a, a transition in the late 90s at a separation agreement from the company I was working at. Okay. And I actually got a bill from the lawyer and they billed in six minute increments. And one of the line items was listen to Steve Eschbach's voicemail message six minutes give (laughs) paul he wasn't there six minutes and there are some of my clients who are dealing with lawyers that do that they would rather like you do build by the project as opposed to the minutiae detail related to all the work that you're doing so in some respects that helps Um, so your firm you started it when and now you have how many tell me about the process of you growing your your own law firm
1: we started in 2013 Everything I was taught in law school was to bill hourly like that, and you know if it's a lawsuit or something, we'll still bill hourly because it's that way it's tied to the work we do but but yeah we we made the switch I think about nine or ten months in, and uh I noticed like a thirty percent jump in revenue immediately upon our decision to to use flat fees rather than hourly. I think business owners they just want to pay for results, you know so. Just tell me what it costs. You know, I don't want to give someone a blank check, especially someone that I haven't worked with before. So, you know, that's worked out very well for for everybody. So, yeah, we started in 2013. I think we have, I'm not sure there's, you know, a lot of ramping up that we're doing now. We just added a real estate department uh, to do a bunch of closings for people. And we're we're acquiring another firm as well, so I think our staff is a little over twenty now. But I, you know, I could be off by a few. We have eight lawyers at this point.
0: Right. You mentioned that you uh, when you said started, you said we started. So was it you and someone else?
1: Oh, you- it was just me. Yeah, I just refer to us we because we're more of a team. That's and right. People- People will ask, you know, oh, so it's just you, and I'm like, no, it's. <laughs> I play an integral role, but I'm there's no way that I could do the type, the amount of legal work that we do uh, without all the help of my team.
0: Oh, I totally get that. Um, is there any common type of uh, business themes or business law themes that your firm works on? Because I heard a lot about trademark. I heard about real estate closings. Uh-huh. I heard about mergers and acquisitions. It sounds like it's pretty varied, but is there a specialty that your firm actually, you know, caters to at all?
1: So we kind of have different specialties among the attorneys that are on our team. My specialty is in negotiating deals, you know, so I'm very good at, you know, mediating a business divorce, for example. I'm very good at, at getting a, you know, a new acquisition across the finish line. I can handle, you know, high emotions and anxiety from both sides. And it's not a big deal for me. I also specialize in a lot of construction law stuff. So there's um, highly specialized agreements that we can write for, you know, subcontractors to avoid a major sort of penalty on the workers comp audits. You know, if you're in this industry, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but if you're not, it might be kind of foreign.
0: So there's a lot that business owners have got to be aware of. And uh, my most recent podcast interview with cybersecurity and, uh, you know, some of us take that for granted. But uh, same with law. I mean, you can't really take this stuff for granted. On the cyberspace side, you're equally as vulnerable as you are on the legal side. So what's your advice to business owners in terms of their involvement with a firm like yours? What do they need to be looking out for? Whether it be a small business. I know construction's got workers' comp. But what are some of the more common areas that seem to be applicable to most of your clients that business owners should be keen on?
1: Honestly, I think the biggest issue that business owners really need to be aware of now is that the technology is not there. So we have this idea, this sort of halo of safety around technology and software and things, producing legal documents. But the technology that we have currently for like a template for that is basically akin to me walking into a hospital and the doctor or nurse even saying, hey, Jonathan, or whoever your name is, I'm going to give you the exact same prescription and diagnosis as the last five people that came in here. And no, I don't want to know anything about you uniquely. Uh, Just take this and go. So is there a chance that I have the exact same, you know, dilemma that the others do, yeah, there's a chance. But, you know, 99.99% of the time, it's going to be off and it could cause me a lot of harm. But because I'm not a doctor, I don't know what that harm is until it's way too late and I'm analyzing the contract or template or whatever, you know, BS thing I wrote my information into uh, at court, you know. So, I've noticed this trend for business owners to try to, you know, save money and issue actual lawyers that are licensed and worried about committing malpractice and want to do a great job for, you know, companies like LegalZoom or even LegalShield and whatever things they can download online. So there are some documents that are pretty boilerplate, yes, but they're few and far between. And if you have any kind of a company I would hope that it would be somewhat unique. Otherwise, you know, someone else is probably doing it better than you anyway. So if you have a unique company, you need a unique customer contract. You need a unique partnership agreement. If you have business partners, you need branding help, you know, that sort of thing so that you don't lose everything you have.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting that your comment about getting legal advice, um, Transworld Business Advisors is a franchise and their corporate headquarters are in Florida. And you as a new business owner, you leave Transworld's headquarters with all the documentation in place ready to start your business. However, the last word of advice they give you, here are your templates for your marketing agreement, uh, for your uh, closing documents. They caution you, make sure you have a local state lawyer review it for applicability to your particular state and that is so critical but you know you need to be able you have to do that because otherwise there could be some misstatements there that apply to one state not the other So I totally get with what you're saying. What other type of advice would you give business owners? Let's say it's a brand new company. Let's say it's you. In 2013, there's a couple of people there and you're just starting out. And again, it's not a law firm because you probably would know a little bit better. But if there's a small mom and pop like five or under, what what would be the first two or three pieces of advice you'd give a business owner to say, you got to be on the lookout for this once you get started? What would that be?
1: It would probably be, you know, figure out what works and do that more and whatever does not work. And I mean, immediately working for you, stop doing. We have this um, maybe Puritan mindset or something where, you know, if we do more labor, we will get paid more money. But that's like a BS idea that doesn't work for entrepreneurs. If you do more of the right type of work, you can and will make more money, yes. But if you do more of the wrong type of work that doesn't push the meter at all, uh, you're not going to make anything. So it's not, you know, I like to call it um, the procrastinating, productive, you know, stuff. So I'm thinking like, hey, if I spend another, you know, 10 hours making adjustments to my website or, or reading a book about how to build a website or something that'll result in more money but in truth it's it's not going to what's really going to result in more money for your startup company is to go out and get more customers or reach them directly nobody's trying to find your website that's built off of a 1995 platform you know
0: Funny you mentioned that some of the businesses I deal with, their websites are a little outdated. They're getting customers like crazy, but some of the stuff on their website is not totally accurate, but they are getting new customers. So that's good advice. Uh, Jonathan, unfortunately, we're approaching near the end of our time allotment. Is there anything in our questions that I asked that you didn't cover that you want the audience to know?
1: Uh, No, I mean, this has been great. Uh, I hope it's been helpful for our listeners. The only other thing is, uh, you know, we don't really look at our trust and estates much. But that's an important key component. Uh, Business owners can tend to, you know, not have a trust or not really think about it. But all of our all of my assets and value is in my company. So if I pass away and that company gets frozen in probate, my children are not going to be able to benefit from, you know, the value and the revenue of my company. It's just going to tank. So there's ways around that. uh, But just talk to a good attorney and, you know, make sure they can help.
0: Well, that comment begs for some more Q&A, but unfortunately we don't have enough time for that, Jonathan. Thanks so much for sharing what you did. Last but not least, how can we find out more about Jonathan Sparks and in uh, your law firm? How do we go find out more information about you? By our
1: website, we've got a good free uh, business assessment quiz. If you'd like to go through it, I'd be happy to waive the consult fee if you feel like talking to me. Uh, just mention this podcast. Our website is SparksLawPractice.com. And my email is jsparks at sparkslawpractice.com. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and if I was to fill out that form, if I'm in Illinois, which is where I am, it's not uh, state-centric, right? It would be applicable, generally speaking. So that's good to know. Jonathan, I appreciate you sharing your insights. Thanks for your time. Listeners, thanks for listening in on another edition of Building Better Businesses. Hopefully you found this worthwhile. I know I did. And uh, for more subject material items in our podcast series, be sure to check us out. Thanks so much and have a good rest of the day. Thank you. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.